This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor, I just play doctor online. Uh, this is an exclusive download-only show. It won't be getting played, at least on the Saturday night that the show is normally played on the ZTalk Radio Network. It's because I have a thing happening later tonight. I am recording this on Saturday morning. What is the date? Mm, September 9th, uh, 2023. Uh, I have a concert to go to tonight. Uh, we're going to see... Uh, music that's not in my wheelhouse, <laughs> generally, but one of the bands that's playing is uh, a band of a co-worker of mine. Uh, the m- music is like black metal, I guess is what it's called, or de- it's, I don't know if it's death metal. It's just, it's this kind of metal that's very played very fast, lots of screechy screaming vocals kind of thing. Uh, another coworker said, "You're you're gonna you're gonna hate it. You're not gonna like it." It's, well, I think I might like it in the context. I'm just going to support a coworker and see them play. Uh, so we'll I will be putting this in the feed. So those of you who get to listen listen to this podcast through you know Podbean or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, You'll, it'll be normal for you guys. But for those that listen when I on a Saturday night when I'm in the chat room, which is essentially just Trisha. Hi, Trisha. Um, you're, you, Trisha's just going to... I'll link her to so she can listen to this uh, later. But we won't be able to do any, any chatting because uh, I'm just not going to be available. So anyway, that's a little business out of the way. Also, this other business, I'm once again recording in the basement of Nostalgia Zone, which is a comic book store in Minneapolis. You go to our website, nostalgiazone.com. You can sign up for a membership. If you do, the membership is free. You will save 10% on your purchases. You will earn 10% of your purchase in points that you can let build up or use the very next time you you buy something. You'll save a little money or you let them build up in case you're going to do a big purchase later on we only carry back issues we don't have the new comics as they come out each month we have comic books going back to the golden age uh but we're you know it's 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 marvel comics dc comics charlton comics archie comics funny ones uh scary ones superhero books Whatever you're into in comic books, check out our website. We also have a number of magazines. Uh, just check out our website, nostalgiazone.com. Become a member uh, and and spend your money because <laughs> we want to keep the doors open. I like having this job. Speaking of this comic book store, uh, last weekend when I was here, uh, I um, 
I saw there was some extra boxes sitting around. I was just kind of nosing around what's in them. But we've got so much stuff in this store. It's it's just hard to know. <laughs> it's hard to get through everything. It's hard to get things priced out. We just got stuff and stuff and stuff. It's hard to know exactly what we've got in any box anywhere. <clears throat> but I saw that there were some boxes, and then I just took a look in one, and there were two Playboy magazines in there. Now, these haven't been priced out and put into our magazine collection yet, but uh, there were two of them. They were from 1960. I thought, ooh, Playboys. So I, I, I pulled them out of the box and I start paging through and I go page, page, page. I said, where's the naked ladies? Where are the naked ladies? There was one picture in one of them of a naked lady. It was the centerfold. That was it. And in that one, you could kind of sort of see a boob. Yeah, it's and that was it. I'm looking. Where's the naked ladies? Just one. And then the the other one, uh, I grabbed on. I paged through that. Same thing, almost virtually the same thing. The centerfold, you could see a woman's butt. There was, however, another picture of a technically dressed but wearing a see-through thing. Of uh, it was Jane Mansfield. If you remember her, she was a Hollywood star back in the day who was rather voluptuous. She had large breastuses. And you could see through the, um, the negligee that she was wearing on top. So you could, you could see her boobs. And, and so there was two pictures in there. I had encyclopedias that had more nudity in them. Sure, they were paintings and sculptures, but still, what was the big deal? <laughs> Uh, and then I guess I, I, uh, I was listening to a podcast not all that long ago and um, the host of that podcast had had uh, uh, I don't know he picked up a Playboy somewhere he got one from someone or it's like from his birth year I think it was it was like a present and like from somebody and he was paging through it he said the magazine was huge for one thing and he's paging through it he said there were only 12 pages within this entire magazine with naked ladies on them I mean you know that's twelve. That's eleven more than what was going on in 1960. But my goodness, <laughs> of course the internet's got naked ladies all over the place. So yeah. Um, <clears throat> do you remember last week when I? Uh, uh, let's see. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. I got. I, I not get ahead of myself here. Uh, last week when I uh, uh, I played this as a bumper coming out of the second break. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad. Well, I played that, uh, and I and I came in and said, "What is it? Christmas in September?" And I said I would get back to it later, and I never got back to it. <laughs> on that show. I ended up running out of time and I had to wrap it up. And I didn't even mention that, oh, I didn't get to that thing. I'll have to get to it next week. Well, it's next week. It is later. I mean, I wasn't lying. I said I'd get back to it later and it is later. So uh, I'm going to get back to it, but I need to uh, explain. Uh, I mean, I played that because uh, it reminded me of this movie called The Last of Sheila. The Last of Sheila. Have you ever heard of this movie? It's from 1973. Uh, the, the, the Gooch Squad had gotten together to record an episode of uh, 
of uh, the Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules, which is a podcast uh, hosted by my friend Douglas. And uh, the group of us got together, and we were doing a show about my favorite year. And we, we talk a lot of pop culture stuff, entertainment type stuff, that kind of thing. And we were all giving uh, a, a year that we, that we particularly like that has a lot of fun stuff happening in it. Um, and, or, or you know, interesting things, in, anyway, in that year. My year was 1973. So I was uh, going through a list of movies that had come out that year. And, I, you know, these were notable movies. And then I would say, but these particular movies, I would set aside uh, some of them. And these movies really kind of informed who the person I would be, or if that's a sentence that makes any sense. Um, they had an influence on me. And uh, one of the movies I had talked about was The Last of Sheila. Now, none of the other guys in my in, in the Gooch Squad, which stands for Gang of Occasional Co-Hosts, it does not mean taint, which apparently the word Gooch also means taint. And if you don't know what taint means, it's that part on the human anatomy that's uh, <clears throat> between the, the anus and the genitals, that little part there. Yeah, it taint the butthole and it taint the balls or the, or the naughty bit of a lady. Uh, okay, so, <clears throat> okay, the, I guess that's also called a gooch. I think I talked about it on the show a while back. No, the gooch squad is the gang of occasional co-hosts that uh, Douglas brings in. It's four of us. It's Jeff. He's over there in the UK. It's uh, it's uh, Brian, who's in, in Tennessee, and it's Michael, who's out there in California, and me. I'm here in Minnesota. Douglas, the host, is in New York. Um, Albany, I think, or at least near Albany. <clears throat> Okay, so I had mentioned the last of Sheila, and none of them had heard of it. I said, "Really? You don't? You, I, you haven't heard of this movie? Oh, it's really good. It's really entertaining. It's fun. It's a. Uh, it's a. Uh, it's kind of a treasure hunt money uh, movie, and it's kind of a murder mystery game movie. Um, here's the thing about it. It's. Uh, it was. Uh, uh, it was written by, and this is the one of the. Uh, interesting things about it. Surprising things about it. It was written by Stephen Sondheim and Anthony Perkins. You know, it's it's uh, and and when my uh, my friend Douglas, I mean, the guys were so intrigued. At least Douglas was. He ordered a Blu-ray of it. He just thought, this sounds like it's really interesting. I want to check it out. And I said, boy, I hope I haven't built up the expectations too high. He did like the movie. He thought it was interesting. Uh, and But he was floored by the idea that it was written by Stephen Sondheim, who is more known for, you know, musical theater. He's a composer in that kind of, that, that realm of, of entertainment. And Anthony Perkins, who's more known as an actor. Um, you might know him best as that uh, uh, that party played in Disney's uh, the uh, uh, the black hole. He was a doctor kind of guy in there, scientist guy. Uh, you don't oh uh, well then let's see. Maybe you know him better as uh, Norman Bates. Now I just say Norman Bates. How many of you out there know exactly who I mean? That's kind of cool. That every now and then that you get a film comes along, and there's a character in there. You just say the name. And, the, and people know the movie you're talking about. Now, those of you who are younger out there might not know, uh, and those of you who might not be into film might not know, but Norman Bates was the character in the film, uh, the Alfred Hitchcock film, the, uh, one of his best, uh, one of his most popular, Psycho. Uh, and, and it's just uh, Anthony Perkins plays uh, Norman Bates, who's this uh, 
young man who's living with his mother in an isolated area, isolated because the interstate came through and and uh, and and uh, dried up all the business for the for the motel that uh, that Norman runs. And uh, it's it's a psychological kind of thriller sort of thing. It's uh, it's a murder mystery sort of thing. It's got some really cool camera work in there. Uh, it's Alfred Hitchcock. You know how can you go wrong? Um, in fact, Hitchcock I think was just coming off the the, the cinematic high of uh, Vertigo. I think it was Vertigo, and the studio wanted you know let's make another picture. And Alfred Hitchcock had. Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, option the book Psycho, the book came out, and he wanted to make a movie of that, and the studio didn't want to do it. And he said, well, look, I'll finance it myself, I'll do it, you know, whatever, and they said, fine, but you can't, you know, you only, it, they'll help him some way, but he had to have, a, like, a small budget and whatever. He took his TV crew that was working on his TV show, the Alfred Hitchcock Presents show, he took his TV crew, and they did the, they made the movie. They made it in black and white, uh, which was, um, which was still a thing in 1960, I think the movie came out. Still a thing, but it was beginning to filter out. It was getting to... The black and white films were becoming less and less and less because the audiences wanted color, I guess. But black and white films are, can be fantastic. It doesn't matter. <laughs> in fact, sometimes a black and white film can be much more timeless. And Psycho might have been much more timeless if it didn't have that epilogue uh, at the end, where a psychologist comes, uh, or psychiatrist who comes in and explains the mania uh, of uh, of a character in the movie. I don't want to give stuff away, but it also does give us a great moment where this character breaks the fourth wall, looking at the looking at the camera and talking to the audience. It's great. So anyway, uh, but the but the psychiatrist coming in to talk about what was going on, we as a more sophisticated audience at this point, we know about some of this stuff. In 1960, they may not have known about the psychology of this sort of thing that was going on. And even in the movie, it's, it's, it might not have the psychology exactly right, but for 1960, that's probably where they were at at the point. So anyway. And the movie did great! It's huge success. Terrific. But anyway, so so Anthony Perkins then is more known as an actor. Well, the two of them, uh, Sondheim and Perkins, would put on these uh, treasure hunts for their friends. They'd have these parties and do treasure hunts, and sometimes they'd do these the murder games, and they were inspired to create a movie out of that, and they came up with the movie The Last of Sheila, which also is uh, like an early example of a of meta. See. Um, the, the film deals with a, a, a group of Hollywood people. Um, let's see. Let's get to give you the cast. There's, uh, there's James Coburn. He's a super wealthy producer. Uh, he, you know, he makes big-time movies or whatever, and he's got this group of sycophantic friends that he's mean to, but kind to, and he strings them along. They he gives them some work, but he gives you know, but he's not. He's just he's not. It's like these people are so desperate to be able to work in Hollywood, they're willing to put up with with uh, Clinton. That's the name of his character. With Clinton's bullshit, his meanness, and and so uh, um, and so he's that's uh, he plays Clinton. Then there's uh, let's see, there's Richard Benjamin. Uh, he plays Tom. Tom is a screenwriter. Apparently, he had written a script 
that he re really was wanted to see made into a film, and uh, Clinton had, uh, I guess, optioned the script or had bought the script from him, but was never going to make it into a movie. It's just a way to, I don't know, just a way to stick it to Tom. I don't know why. Well, there is a reason why. And uh, then there's uh, then there's Joan Hackett. She plays Lee. She's Tom's wife. She's not exactly a Hollywood person. She's from money. She's been around Hollywood all you know, for you know for all her life. Um, and she wants Tom to write something new. Get out from under Clinton. Write something new. Tom doesn't seem to be able to do it. Uh, there's James Mason. He plays Philip. He is a director, a director who had been, uh, who had kind of slid off of the Hollywood A-list. He's he's doing commercials, but he wants desperately to be a, a director that that matters again, and Clinton can make that happen for him. There's Diane Cannon. She plays Christine. She's a talent agent. She represents uh, Alice, who's an, uh, played by uh, Raquel Welsh. She, uh, and, but first I'll, I'll, Christine. Christine's kind of obnoxious, but she's kind of fun. Uh, she's a bit sex crazed, uh, <laughs> and and she's uh, um, she well she hangs on to Clinton because she wants to be able to get her uh, her uh, clients work, and one of her clients is Alice, and Alice is played by Raquel Welsh. Uh, Raquel Welsh. Anyway, uh, and Raquel Welsh is a movie star, but she's not quite a list. She has to do some, you know, some lesser type things like, uh, well, she gets insulted by by Clinton by, well, you know, uh, you know, uh, she'll be available for this film that Clinton has an idea for, to do, if you know, unless she's opening a, a shopping mall or something. So she does. She's not quite a list yet, and Clinton could make that happen. So she puts up with it. Uh, and then there's Ian McShane who plays Anthony. He is Alice's husband. He's kind of her personal manager. He doesn't really do much else except for work with her. He doesn't really have a job. Uh, he he would like to be a producer in, in Hollywood, and he thinks Clinton can make that happen. So these people put up with the bullshit. And so Clinton invites everybody to his yacht for a week uh, traveling around and playing some games. And it's the one-year anniversary or so of the death of Clinton's wife, Sheila. Sheila was a uh, was a gossip columnist who apparently was a sex worker for a while, but worked her way into be a, a gossip columnist. And so Clinton, she got killed in a hit and run. She took off from a party, and somebody had hit her with a car. And the person who had done it had never been found. Clinton sort of held it against all these people here, and that's partly why he treats them so badly. And yet, they hang on for it. Uh, and so he's come up with this game called the, uh, the Sheila Green uh, Memorial Gossip Game. Each of the six people have a secret. You know, they get a card that says, you are a shoplifter. And it was one of them. And then there's others. And they, uh, each person, each, uh, uh, each night of this week-long trip, uh, or so, they're going to do another game where they have to figure out what the secret is. And the person who has the secret has to play along because uh, they want to prevent the other people from guessing that secret because if they guess, if they are able to solve the, the, the riddle, the mystery, the game ends. And anybody who hasn't solved it before then, 
don't they don't get any points. The one with the most points wins at the end. And it's a little bit of a torturous, uh, a little bit of a uh, uh, needling the people with uh, secrets that hit a little close to home for them. And it's just well done. It's fun. There's this point, uh, the part where they they're in this 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 old monastery. It's in ruins. They have to all dress up like monks. And there's this creepy sound effects going on. It's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. And it's I think it's a very enjoyable film. Uh, it takes some twists and turns. And uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty good. So you should check out Last of Sheila. Oh, and I was saying about the title of The Last of Sheila. It's a meta thing before meta became a thing. Well, maybe it was a thing, but before the kids started calling it meta. See, because in the movie, they're all Hollywood people. Uh, Clinton is a producer. He wants to make a movie about his, 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 his dead wife. And he says, I'm thinking of calling it The Last of Sheila. So they mention the title of the movie in the movie. It's part of the story. Kind of meta. All right. So it's worth checking out. I'm not sure if it's on any streaming services or whatever, but uh, you know, I got the I got the Blu-ray of it. Uh, it was pretty reasonable. There's a, a I was um, as coincident was would have it um, the week after we uh, the show that we did the two-headed uh, salt of the two-headed space meal show that we did my favorite year. The week after that show had dropped on the one of the broadcast networks you can get for your TV. Uh, the, um, what is it? Uh, it's called movies.tv or movies TV or something. It's one of the broadcast channels you can get. It's coincidentally this month, uh, or at least, yeah, I think it's this month has been playing The Last of Sheila. So maybe you can find it. Go look, Google uh, the movie TV channel thing. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can put a link to it in the show notes so you can look and see their schedule and see if you can find where The Last of Sheila might be playing. You can watch it there. Uh, it's it, I think it's worth it watching. It's fun. It's interesting. Uh, it's very enjoyable. But then again, why did I play this? You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad... Why did I play that? Well, other than liking it. You know who sings that song? It's a, it's a fellow named uh, Thurl Ravenscroft. Um, now, of course, that's obviously... That's from the, the, the absolutely wonderful... Uh, Christmas television special, animated special, called How the Grinch Stole Christmas. It's great. I mean, you got Boris Karloff doing the narrator and the voice of the Grinch, and you got Thurl Ravenscroft singing that song in the in the show. And there's something uh, sad about about the this this production in that once it was all done, put on television, it was realized that they did not give credit too thorough for singing on the show they, they didn't he it's not in the credits it's not in there he didn't he wasn't acknowledged now i'm sure he got paid and everything but he you know and and so uh that was an oversight i think maybe in the like like later dvd releases or something they they, they got it in there somehow but at the time his name wasn't in there now you might recognize Thurl's voice if you know who Tony the Tiger is. You know, the Sugar Frosted Flakes or Frosted Flakes. 
uh, that cere breakfast cereal. You know, the tiger says, they're great. You know, that guy. Well, that's Thurl Rob Ro uh, Ravenscroft. Sorry, <laughs> I had to think of that name. Uh, he's also the voice of uh, Baloo, uh, the bear in the uh, Disney animated classic, The Jungle Book, where he sings the song Bear Necessities. So that's him. So a great voice. He got, he got, he got. Uh, I, it was an oversight. It wasn't something that uh, that they that they dissed him or anything. It was just it happened. And I think they've since uh, gotten the name in there. So if you get a pick up a copy of it, it might be there. Or when they show it on TV, it might be in there now. Uh, anyway, so but okay. So why do I bring up the Grinch? Why do I talk about the Grinch? Well, I've gone way beyond my break. I'll tell. No, I'm. <laughs> I have gone long, but that's okay. Uh, I'll tell you why. There are shots in the movie, last, The Last of Sheila, right at the very beginning in particular, when, uh, okay, we see the, uh, the hit and run thing happen, and then we, we see, uh, we get introduced to each of the characters through um, uh, Clinton, James Coburn, typing up some, some cards and the, those cards are the cards with the secret that he's giving to each person. And then he's got their name handwritten on their on the envelopes. So we see Tom and Lee. And that's when and then we go we meet them and we go back and and he he's got another card we see and Clinton is very pleased with himself. He's having a smoke. He's he's lean, he leans he blows out smoke rings and then he leans back. He puts his hands on the top of his head and he leans back and he gives this big toothy grin and I look at that and I say he's the Grinch he looks like the Grinch the animated special Grinch when the Grinch in that, in, in that animated special gives a big toothy grin I mean it, he, I see Joe I, when I see Coburn do it I see the Grinch his, his, you know, his eyes turn into little slits, the, he, and, and Coburn had big teeth. The guy had big teeth. And when he grins, it's just, it's just got that. And I was validated. Speaking of Douglas and the assault of the two-headed space meals, he did get to watch that movie. Came out, and he, 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 text, he uh, texted the group saying, well, this is what I'm watching tonight. And so we were chatting, how'd you like it? And he said, oh, and by the way, let's see. He said, I think I wrote it down. How'd he put it? He wrote, <clears throat> I think Coburn would have made an incredible live-action Grinch. Unprompted by me. I didn't say anything about it. And I said, yes, that's what I've been saying. And I even had pictures set up to do on the show last week, which I didn't get to, so I have the pictures ready for this week's show notes, which you can get to by going to dimland.com. You click on the show notes blog option, and you'll get to this week's show notes. Uh, I had the pictures ready. I popped them into the into the thread, and I said, "There, they, look, look at this guy." So I had the image from from Last of Sheila, and an image of of the Grinch from the animated special, and then I had found another picture of him because, you know, Last of Sheila was 1973. How the Grinch Stole Christmas was 1966, so it predates Last of Sheila, but it doesn't predate James Coburn. Coburn been doing acting since. I don't know, maybe the late 50s. And so uh, I found an earlier picture of, of Coburn giving a, a almost as toothy a grin. And he looks like the Grinch. It's incredible. It's unbelievable. I, it's uh, So anyway, check out Last of Sheila. 
it's a really good movie. Uh, I, you know, it's fun. Uh, it's not, it, yeah, it's fun. It's entertaining. It's two hours. It's great. <laughs> it's great. So check it out. Uh, now I'm going to take a break. You've been listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. <sighs> I'm going to catch my breath and I'll be back after this break. News. 100% information. 100% guarantee. I thought you might say that. <laughs> You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Okay, I have something here. It's it's an EVP. I'm telling you. It's really something. Um, I need to call it up. I gotta tell you, this is uh, really shaking me. I need to play it for you. And, uh, well, I won't, uh, I won't prejudice your mind as to what you're gonna hear. I won't prime the pump. Just have a listen. Did you hear it? Did you hear it? I, I I think that was clear as day. I heard, well, I don't understand it, but it's I heard bread trout, clear as day. Ooh, creepy. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Valtor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and, of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. Well, I'll be hornswoggled. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. You don't say. Oh, what? You think you went off to college or something? On ztalkradio.com. That's the most amazing thing since Grandma survived the outhouse incident. Back to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. This is an exclusive download-only show. I mean, I'll put it into the uh, into the rotation um, on Z Talk Radio, so it'll show up when there isn't an actual show 
scheduled show supposed to be on. I don't know how many shows are still on the network. I don't know. I might be the only one. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, <clears throat> here's a cool thing. Uh, I uh, had an interesting Labor Day. This past Monday was Labor Day. Uh, I have a friend, now long-time listeners to my show, uh, and I mean long-time listeners. In fact, it should say long-time listener. That would be Trisha. Hi again, Trisha. Um, will remember that I used to have a segment on the show called 10-Minute Topic with Chris Brown. Uh, uh, yes, the Chris Brown. Not that guy that beat up Rihanna. No, uh, the Chris Brown, who is the skeptic who lives out in, uh, in, in, in Connecticut. And he and I had met online through Facebook or something, and I, I don't know, I reached out to him after listening to some podcasts where he appeared, or they talked about his, uh, um, you know, he was, uh, he, uh, I don't know, somehow they t he, he was doing something trying to do like a reach out thing for, for skeptics to get people to meet each other through the country. <clears throat> And I, uh, I reached out to him, and we we became friends, and we would uh, chat with each other through through Facebook mainly, and uh, and it, and we started to do these little ten minute topics on my show, which we would sit and talk for about fifteen minutes or twenty minutes about a particular topic. It was never ten minutes, uh, and he, he um, and yeah, and after a while, we just it wasn't as easy to get together to do stuff because he's a busy man, and you know, and I'm a busy guy too. And uh, so just the 10-minute topic went away. And um, he, uh, about I think about four years ago or so, decided that he would like to get his pilot's license, a private pilot's license. Uh, he's, apparently he does well enough in his business that he could afford to be a pilot and get his own plane, a single-engine, four-seater plane. Uh, and so he he did that. He became a pilot, and uh, I think he's got about 400 hours of flying time at this point. And um, he has a oh, I'm not exactly clear. I probably should have talked to him beforehand. But there's a there's a reason why now he can he can he comes over to the Twin Cities on a more regular basis. Uh, I think he's got family here or something that hadn't been here before. And it'd been a while, and we just hadn't been able to hook up because he's not going to be here that long, or you know I'm not around, or something like that. And it just so happened that just before Amy and I took our trip uh, to Colorado to see Duran Duran, um, just uh, just before that, he he had let me know that he's going to be in the Twin Cities. Uh, you know, he and his wife, and I think one of his kids was going to come and visit too, and he was going to be there for a while. He was going to be here until after Labor Day. And he, he said, you know, we should try to, you know, hook up and just kind of, you know, meet face-to-face -face finally. We've never met face-to-face. -face. Well, <clears throat> uh, we got to, as we got closer to the time, he, he said, you know, um, how about, what do you think of an idea of uh, we fly up to Duluth for a day and hang around out there? I said, sure, that, that'd be great. Um, well, it turned out that the Duluth thing wasn't going to happen because uh, he, he had somebody kind of helping him schedule stuff while he was here, and they had scheduled the Duluth trip uh, at a point where I couldn't make it. So so he went and did it, and he just didn't want to go again. Uh, so he just said, well, um, I thought I was heading home on Labor Day, but apparently I'm heading home the day after. So I've got Labor Day free. Uh, have you ever been to Fargo? <laughs> now, I may have driven through Fargo. I've been to Bismarck, North Dakota. But I've never, never really been to Fargo. I don't think I might have gone around it or something. But um, 
Uh, I said, no, haven't been to Fargo. And he said, what do you think about, uh, fly it takes just over an hour to fly up there. We can go up uh, and have lunch and then come back. And I said, sure. And that's what we did. It, it was really neat. It was uh, like, I, as I've said about flying, um, as I've said about it, uh, I, I, I say that, you know, Abraham Lincoln never flew. <laughs> I have, but he never did. Aristotle never flew. Plato never flew. None of these people ever flew. But well, I have. So, <laughs> in your face. Of course, nobody knows who I am. Everybody knows who they are. Anyway. <clears throat> so, um, and, and I was talking to Chris about that. And he said, you know, it'd be great to have like a time machine kind of thing to bring the Wright brothers to present time and pop hop hop in a plane with them and say look what the, look what look what you guys started now i know there's some dispute as to whether or not uh uh the wright brothers were the first ones to fly there's something about somebody over there in italy might have done it a little bit before them there's some dispute i don't know if, how documented it is but you know it's america america gets credit for stuff so just you know deal with it Anyway, and I, and I also thought, you know, Kitty Hawk was like 1901 or something like that. That flight there that the Wright brothers did was early 1900s. Can you imagine that, like, less than 70 years later, where, you know, Buzz, uh, 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 Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin were walking on the moon? And they did go onto the moon. You know, India just had some uh, moon thing. They'd send an unmanned craft up to the moon. And it took pictures of the lunar landers and stuff. On, from from previous uh, Apollo missions, they took pictures of them. They're right there up on the moon. Of course, moon landing denier people will just find a way to wave their hands and say, no, that's not true. Anyway. <clears throat> so, uh, I, I, Chris and I got out to the Anoka airport, and he showed me his plane. He went over some of the safety things. And this is one of the interesting things about this plane. It has one parachute. I know. It's a four-seater. It has one parachute. But the parachute isn't for any of the passengers. It's for the plane. And I thought, oh, okay. And he shows, he's explaining how that works. So we're standing outside the plane, and we're at the part where the, where the parachute is. And it's uh, just behind the seating area, the cockpit area, whatever where they call it, just behind that. But there's no, there's no place where it opens up. There's no, it, there's no seam. There's no, it's, it's just, it's a single piece of carbon fiber that goes over, you know, on the outside of the plane. It's over that part. There isn't anything. What it does is it has a little, has a little missile, he called it, that shoots through the carbon fiber, puts a hole in the plane. He says it totals the plane to, to launch the parachute. So don't do it in a, as a joke. Uh, you really need to be able, you know, need to do it in order to, you know, you know, so don't, you don't want to total this plane. I'm sure it's pretty expensive. It shoots it right through the uh, carbon fiber. And then he says, now what will happen is the, it'll shoot through, the parachute will begin to deploy, and as that does that, the front end of the plane will point down. So you will be looking straight down. But then the parachute will deploy and open up, and it will level out the plane. So the plane will just be level then, and it'll bring it down to the ground. It won't be very gentle <laughs> as it hits the ground. It'll be a hard landing, but it will be one that you will walk away from. He said, uh, he put it this way, he said, uh, uh, if I were to try to have uh, the tower 
you know, he says, if, if, if he should become incapacitated for any reason, and I have to contact the, the, the tower to say, look, uh, you know, I need to land this plane. He said, one in ten, you might walk away. You know, uh, but if you have to deploy the parachute, ten out of ten times, you're going to walk away. So, uh, so yeah, and then he showed me what I need to do and all that kind of stuff. It was really cool. It's, I mean, it, 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 there was, we, you take off, you get to look around, the skies are pretty clear. We, we did go around a storm to avoid it, and then we swooped around it and then landed in Fargo. That was great. There was another thing about Fargo, about this flight that I learned, that we landed in this little airport in, in Fargo. And we, we go in, and uh, Chris is checking in with the uh, attendant people there, and he's asked, do you need a car? And it's not, you know, he, he had said, well, if we need to get Uber or something like that, we can do that. And I said, okay, cool. And uh, he said, yeah, I ta I'll take care of that. I bought lunch for us. Um, he, he, so he says, yeah, I need a car. And they hand him a set of keys. And they say, when you go out to the parking lot, just hit the little panic button, get the thing, that hor the horn to honk, and you'll find the car. No rental agreement. No payment. Totally just courtesy. I don't, I don't know if they own these cars, the little airport owns these cars, or if it's people that work there that own the cars that make their, the, this is available to peop, to pilots if they, like, as Chris explained, so the pilots will, will come to these airports, they'll be dropping off executives or something like that, and there's a, it's a really nice facility where they can hang around and watch TV and if they want, but they also have this courtesy to be able to take a car, drive it into town, have lunch, and that the understanding is not to have the car more than a couple of hours. And you don't have to gas it up. You don't do anything. Just use it. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, as we were flying back, I didn't quite get the door all the way closed. I thought I had it latched and everything. It looked like it was, but it wasn't quite locked in there. So <clears throat> as we began to take off and the prop begins to push the air across the, the outside of the plane, uh, and you get up to, like I think, 90 miles an hour and it takes off, about 90 miles an hour, um, it, it, as, as we were just starting to do that, uh, uh, the door popped a little. It didn't open up. It just, I felt the handle come up and the, it just sort of, and it felt the pop and I went, Oh, the door's not quite closed. And I pushed it down and locked it into place. But Chris aborted the, the takeoff, took calls the tower and says, look, uh, had a little problem with the door. We're going to, we're going to, you know, reset to take off again. And, uh, and, you know, I said, I'm really sorry. And he said, oh, no, no worries. You know, it's, it's better to be safe. Uh, you know, it's, it's in there now. He checked it and I checked, you know, it's, it's in there now. He said he was flying with somebody where they didn't, they got up in the air and it was not quite closed, but it was closed enough. He says the pressure outside kind of keeps it closed, but there was air coming in. He says it gets kind of cold up there, but it was cool. It was great. Uh, if you get a chance... <laughs> to go on a flight with Chris Brown. And it was great to meet him face-to-face -face finally and have some lunch. And, uh, you know, it was great. So, But if you get a chance to be friends with Chris Brown and he can fly you somewhere, hey, take him up on it. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to take another break uh, and uh, come back and uh, finish up the show. Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. <sighs> I'll be back after this. Hey, 
or we give those other guys the finger. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. The Earth is only 6,000 years old. That's what Answers in Genesis and the Creation Museum say. And how can a museum be wrong? Isn't Dr. Oz just wonderful? I love today's episode. It didn't talk down to his adoring audience of women at all. Science has proved that the subatomic quantum realm is as real as it is counterintuitive and bizarre. Therefore, I can use it to support quantum healing and quantum consciousness. After all, how can journals like Aquarius Metaphysics be wrong? Evolution is just a theory. After all, if we came from monkeys, then why are there still monkeys? We all have friends and family who believe these things and much more. Well, if you're a rational thinker who is tired of arguing on social media and never getting anywhere, we have a solution for you. Join the Guerrilla Skepticism and Wikipedia team and we will teach you how to add reliable scientific and skeptical information to the world's number one source of information, Wikipedia. We write new articles and improve existing ones. We remove pseudoscience, paranormal, and alt-med claims substituting the actual facts. And we operate in many languages. We've already reached tens of millions of people searching for information, but as you can imagine, we can never do enough. So please join us. All you need is a PC and the desire to help educate the planet. In fact, you'll be educating the world while you sleep. Contact us at gsowteam at gmail.com. Guerrilla Skepticism. The time is now. Music by purpleplanet.com. Hey, y'all. This is Tangina. You're going to give me whiplash looking up there, too. I've cleaned many houses, and I don't know what it is that hovers over Dr. Dem's house but it was strong enough to punch a hole into this world and take his wallet away from him. And I think what we might be dealing with is the beast. Hold on. Did you just say that Dr. Dim doesn't believe in poltergeists, tiny fortune tellers, or the beast? Well, holy sh! Why the didn't somebody tell me? Anyway, Dr. Dim's a skeptic. He'll be right back. On ztalkradio.com. I still think this house is clean. Station identification. You're listening to ZTalk Radio Network. Operating frequency on ztalkradio.com. And welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. <laughs> Did I get that right? I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Uh, can I be a curmudgeon for a little bit, a cranky old man curmudgeon and, and complain about something here? I know. I have a friend that tells me that uh, Dimland Radio is uh, uh, Jim Complains About Things <laughs> show. <laughs> Sometimes it is, and I hope I'm, I hope I'm not too much of a of a pain in the ass about that and that I put it injected some humor in there if I can um, the road trip that uh, I took just recently you know the road trip with two chicks uh, we drove out to Colorado to see Duran Duran and some other things uh, we uh, there's a uh, something about Minnesota drivers uh, something about I, I I'm to be fair 
on the way down there, it didn't seem to be as much of a problem. But as we were coming back, now you are aware that when you are driving on the, on the freeway and you've got more than one lane, two, three lanes, whatever, that the left lane is called the passing lane. It's for passing. It's not for planting your ass and driving along. It's not what it's for. It's to pass people. If the other drivers are going slower and you happen to want to go faster, you go in the left-hand lane, you pass those slower people, and you move on. You get back into the right-hand lane or the center lane or however many lanes there are. You get out of the passing lane. Uh, and, you know, it, it's, it, it's, it doesn't, you know, slower traffic, keep left. No, no, keep right. <laughs> keep left. Oh my God! I just, I just shot everything to the hell there. No, it's keep right. Slower traffic. Keep right. Keep out of the left-hand lane. I learned this lesson many years ago. My friend John had told me I was complaining about something. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> you know, people is yeah, you know, complaining about things. Hey, you know, and ranting about stuff. Hey, you know who else does that? And makes a pretty good living. Lewis Black. Now, he's a lot funnier than I am, but that's his whole shtick, to rant about stuff. I was once compared to by an editor for the St. Paul Pioneer Press newspaper. I was once compared to John Belushi and his character that, you know, he'd be under his own name. But he, when he would show up on the uh, weekend update desk on, this, on Saturday Night Live back in the original Saturday Night Live days... And he would do an editorial about the luck of the Irish or something. And he'd get all worked up. And he'd do the phrase, but no! He would do that. And he'd get all worked up and frothing at the mouth. And he'd fall off the desk. I, I call, this, this editor was an editor of a page called uh, the Bulletin Board. Which is, you know, people could call in or fax in or, you know, email in their observations of the world and things. And this is a friendly little backyard talking over the fence kind of thing. That's what it was in the Pioneer Press in those days. And I used to call in and complain about really bad commercials <laughs> and other things. And I, I, you know, I had, I was on some rant and the editor said that they were, they were reminded of John Belushi at the weekend update desk, getting all, you know, worked up and falling in a heap on the floor. They said, luckily, Mr. Fitzsimmons did not do that, did not, you know, end up on the floor, at least as far as they knew. But I was compared to John Belushi, okay? Now, I'm not as funny. But, you know, there are people that make a, uh, make a living out of ranting about things. I don't make nothing from this show. Nobody hears it. <laughs> so, anyway. We drove out. We got, and, and we go do our thing. We have a great time. We're coming back home. We're doing the straight through. We got up at, we hit the road at the, at, literally at the crack of dawn. That's something my dad used to always say. When we leaving? Crack of dawn. At the crack of dawn, he'd say. And we actually did. We left at the crack of dawn from Denver. About 6 a.m. we were on the road, and the sun's just, just beginning to break through the horizon. Oh, that reminds me. I'm going to have to talk about it in the next show that I do, because, well, I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> not gonna just a tease for you so anyway we drove straight through to the twin cities we got here at about nine o'clock at night left there at 6 a.m which would have been 5 a.m uh 
on Minnesota time because we were in, in uh, mountain time. We were on central time. So by the time we got home, it was 9 o'clock central time. So that's a long drive. And people were pretty much respecting the, you know, slower traffic, keep right, pass on the left, get back into the right-hand lane, don't plant yourself in the left until we got to Minnesota. Drove into Minnesota, we got got a little ways in, and then all of a sudden, there they are, planting themselves in the left-hand lane. Planting, planting. Oh, I'm already speeding. Get out of the way. Now, I mentioned my friend John. He told me this many years ago. He says, it doesn't matter how fast you are going. If you're in the left-hand lane, and somebody comes up behind you, and they want to go faster than you, you get out of their way. You don't plant yourself in the left-hand lane. You see, he told me that years ago, and I start and I immediately started following that advice. And at least that part of it, as far as you know, what my behavior was, I wasn't so frustrated. Well, look at this guy riding my ass. Well, get out of his way. I mean, it's one thing if you're in the you're in two lanes, you're in the right-hand lane, and somebody's riding your ass there. Pass me. Go around on the left. But I'm telling you, we get back to Minnesota. There they are, Minnesota plates. Planted in the left-hand lane. I don't know. That we did recently pass a law that you that states you have to get out of the way unless you are exiting to the left soon. And sometimes there are the, those on freeways. You get out of the way. Slower traffic. Keep right. You want to see something silly? I notice this. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure exactly where. So I think somebody shared it on Facebook or something. One of those reels or shorts or whatever they call them. And it was, uh, it was the Rolling Stones. It was their video for their song, Start Me Up, which came out in 1981. And it was with no sound. Watch it with no sound. And it's one of the silliest things that you will see. Uh, not the, the rest of the band are, you know, they're fine. But Mick Jagger. I mean, it's not choreo. There's no choreo choreography going on there. It's just him doing his thing, bobbing his head back and forth, making goofy faces, doing these weird herky jerky moves that he would he does. It's like, so what should I do now? I'll do, I'll do this. <laughs> you know, it's like, and and it's just it looks silly. In fact, they cut two shots of Charlie Watts playing the drums, and Charlie Watts looks like he's thinking, "This is the silliest thing we've ever done." There are lots of bands that don't really like doing the videos. I mean, the replacements refused to do videos for a long time. And when they finally did one, it was just looking at a speaker playing the song and the camera slowly pulling back. And you see that there's some kids sitting on a couch from behind, just sitting there having a cigarette. And then at the end of the song, he gets up and kicks the speaker over. That was it. The, the, the replacements found out that they had to make a video, but they didn't have to be in the video. So it's uh, yeah. So <clears throat> so you watch that, and you and and you think, well, you know, rock and roll is kind of silly. This stuff that people do. I mean, I, I, watch Chuck Berry do his duck walk without without sound. It's kind of silly. It's kind of cool, but it's also kind of silly. Just watch all this stuff and the, the, what rock stars do, and you know, Freddie Mercury and his theatrics, and and all this kind of stuff. It's just kind of it's kind of silly. But you know what isn't silly? Uh, Pete Townsend doing windmills and jumping around and scissor kicks and smashing his guitar. That, my friends, that 
is cool. That is rock and roll. Good night, Herr Doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. Okay, I've come to the end of another Dimland Radio. I will tell you there will be no show next week. My younger brother is getting married. I'm going to be his best man. Eek! I have to make a speech. Uh, <laughs> uh, remember to be skeptical and all that. I'm going to try to remember that one thing that I was going to... Yeah, I'll just... Anyway, we'll see you next week. Remember <laughs> to sleep with the lights off. I know, we won't see you next week. We'll see you the week after that. Oh, Jesus. You can check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option. And you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by the Yolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. Bonjour, Monsieur Dim. You are too clever for us naughty people. Well, well I'm, I'm going, going to hell. To hell.